amazing time of worship. And as I've been preparing the word for you, really in preparation, just sense God saying, He loves you. He wants to encourage you. Um, he wants to lift up your head to see what He's doing. And so this morning, um, I want to ask you to open your heart. I'm going to pray now just before we go into this time of just reading some scripture. Lord, we love you. We need you. You are here. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you that we serve a living God. Thank you, God, that you speak to us. And your word is alive and it's active. We want to surrender our hearts to you this morning, Lord. We want to surrender our ears. We want to say to you, to you Lord, come and speak to us. Come and plant seeds in our hearts this morning that will bear fruit for your kingdom for uh, weeks and months and years to come. Lord, we need, we need you to speak to us this morning. We need you to lift up our heads and encourage us and help us to see what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So our theme this year, church, is uh, love up, love in, and love out. And love up, the catchphrase was uh, pursuing the Holy Spirit, the pursuit of the Holy Spirit, and love in, which we've just finished a series on, um, the catchphrase was build committed community. And now love out, our catchphrase is know your neighbor. And Matt asked me to preach this morning that the topic is uh, missional living. If you don't know me, I uh, went on a ship for a few years, and my wife and I went and served in Oman in the desert for uh, two years. So um, I'm supposed to know one or two things about this. Um, but uh, can I just say, to um, if I'm the expert, then we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm not the expert. Um, I'm going to read you a case study uh, this morning from the expert. So I want you to turn to John chapter 4. Um, and, and while you're turning there, I just want to say these three things work together. It's not we've finished love up and we've finished love in and now we're going to do love out. Uh, these three are continuous. We are always loving up. We are always pursuing more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are always loving each other and building committed community. And we are always um, loving out. And if one of, one of these three is missing, it has an uh, impact on our spiritual health. Um, you might think, no, no, I come to church a lot, read my Bible a lot. God speaks to me often. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, so my loving app's quite good. We go to cell group. We love in. We invite people over. If, if you don't have an element in your Christian walk, and you might say, but I've only been a Christian a day or two. I want to say it, it from day one. If you don't have an element in your Christian walk of loving out, you are. Um, it's going to affect the other two. And it leads to a place of spiritual unhealthiness. And so we want those three to be working together all the time. And I am going to focus on loving out this morning. And I want to encourage you in that. I know it's, if I had to ask you which one of the three are you most intimidated by, if you're like me you would probably say loving out, okay? Love up. Yes, Lord, fill me with your spirits. I pray that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, love in, okay. You know, I know you, that's not awkward. Come over, let's hang out. Love out, go up to someone you, you don't know where they're at with God or maybe you don't even know their name or 
that's that's scary and intimidating. That's for the the specialists, the experts, the the Mark Woods, the missionaries, or the Matt Johnsons, and we know that's not true. So this morning, John chapter four, we're going to read about Jesus. Jesus is going to uh, give us a little case study in missional living. So we're going to read this chapter. It's quite long, um, and then I'm just going to hit the flash points that. Uh, that I can see in it that's helpful for us. So, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And I just want to pause there. That's my first uh, flashpoint. Those of you that know the story well, what's coming up is he's going to be by this well, and this woman's going to come uh, up to the well, and he's going to end up uh, sharing some things with her, and she's eventually going to have a salvation moment, and and she's going to go back to her city and tell them what's happened to her and the whole t- there's going to be revival that breaks out in the city so that's that's what's coming but the flash the first flash point I, that i felt when I, I was preparing this was jesus wasn't it doesn't say he was going out looking for this moment he was doing what he had planned to do they were on a trip they were heading towards samaria He stopped at the well, not because, and I'm pretty sure he knew she was coming. I get that God's omniscient, and I'm not, but the reason why he stops was the reason he would have always stopped. He was tired. He was weary. He wanted uh, some refreshment, some water. And what I've learned from trying to live like a missionary, geography doesn't matter, by the way. So when I was on the ship, I tried to live like a missionary, try to honor God in that. When I was in the desert, I tried to live like a missionary, try to honor God in that. When, I'm, when I was at George Randall, tried to live like a missionary, try to honor God in that. When I'm at Sterling Primary School, I try to live like a missionary, honor God in that. It doesn't matter the geography. Where I am, I want to have my eyes open, and I'm saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And, and, and this happens as you live your normal life. You don't wake up in the morning plan, I'm going to have a missional moment at this time in this venue. But as you just live your life, live your day, as Jesus does in this moment, he's there because he's tired and he just wants water. His eyes are open, something's about to happen. And if you're thinking, how do I do this? My life is so busy, it's so full, I don't know how to fit any, anything else in. You don't fit any missional living in. You Where you are and what you are already doing, those moments show up. And our eyes are open, and suddenly we realize, God, I want you to use me now. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, 
You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And I want to stop here. So, um, another thing I forgot to mention, missional living happens out there, right? Jesus did spend time in the synagogues. He did spend time teaching. And it is possible that someone who's unsaved is in the room this morning and God may use the message or worship or even you um, in interacting with them that they would get saved. But most of this stuff is going to happen outside, out there, at a well, at your sports club or whatever, at your school, at your workplace, whatever you do. But when that's happening... The important thing is to notice the need. What is this person wanting? So Jesus starts. He doesn't start with preaching the gospel. He starts with, why is she here? She's here for a practical reason. Water. She needs it. And he, and he starts there. And um, it's from a felt need that people are more open to hearing about the gospel. So I'll give you an you go, so, but I never stand at a well and... I've never seen someone who needed water in a moment, and I don't know how to turn that into a God conversation. Let me let me uh, give you a conversation you've all probably had very recently around a bra. Um, yo, this country. Yo, man, everything's falling apart. I mean, you, got, you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take us down a, a spiral, but you've had, you've been, you've stood there. Why are people talking like this? They might not say it around the bra, but they are scared. They are afraid. And this is an opportunity. Now, sadly, and I've done it too, so I'm not rebuking you, what we usually do is we join in. Oh, yes, no, it's going terribly, and, well, you know, and everyone's feeling worse. But actually, the person's sharing with you a felt need that they have. They are scared. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to look. They don't know where to trust. I go home when I get a bit anxious, And I go to my Bible, and I pray, and I find peace. But someone who doesn't know God, where do they go? And so, just as Jesus does in this moment, he sees a need. He actually is reading the situation very well. She's at the well at the wrong time of the day. She's alone. It's unusual. It's a group activity. Um, women like to do stuff together. They go to the toilet together. They, they, they hang out together. They, they, they like to chat. Okay? The fact that she's coming to the well when other women went probably earlier in the morning um, on her own uh, during the middle of the day, Jesus is clever. He's reading the situation and he knows there's something going on in this woman's life. And he's also reading her current situation and her felt need in that moment. And I'm just throwing that the circumstances of our country at you. They are bad, but God's church often rises up in times of distress. God's church often thrives in times of uh, uncomfortableness in society. The revivals that have broken out have come from, and it might sound terrible, but it hasn't come from when everything's been going well and everyone's feeling happy. It comes from this place of, something's wrong, I'm not in control of my life, I need help. 
And in that moment, you have an opportunity. So you might go, how would you, how would you spin that, Mark? I'm not saying I always do this, hey? or I even get it right. But I would spin it more along the lines of, I'm anxious too. I also get nervous. I also wonder what's going on. But what helps me is my faith in God gives me peace. Something small, something short, something true. And I trust God to use that. Jesus has a little bit more in the tank than me. He's about to do something I've never been able to do. I pray for it. It can happen. He's going to have a word of knowledge. This might happen to you. Pray for it. Man, that would be amazing. You suddenly have a word of knowledge for the person you're trying to reach. But this was what's about to happen. So uh, we've just read in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I just want to pause here. This woman is broken. She's made tons of bad choices. She's been divorced multiple times. She's living in... Uh, in an ungodly way in the moment right now right as she's speaking to jesus and she is shunned by society and embarrassed she's ashamed um and let's see what happens next um so she says to jesus i perceive that you are a prophet our fathers worshiped on this mountain but but you say that in jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship So straight away I go, there's some element of faith in her heart because she's talking about God. She's actually bringing it up. And I've seen that happen, by the way. So I go into George Randall, and this is my prayer. Lord, show me what you're doing. You are alive. You are active. You're not a dead God. You you are working. I'm the one who's a little bit, you know, slow. So, so help me see what you're doing. And I'm still slow, guys. Even after that, it's not like whoosh, the, the, the heavens just open up and the light shines on a person and go, yes, God's moving there. Um, and I remember praying for the one guy, and I, I then even tell my cell group because I know myself. If I don't tell someone that I need to like, do something missional here, I'm not going to do it. So I then put pressure on myself, and I say to my cell group, guys, I think God's doing something in this guy's heart. I'm not sure. I'm going to speak to him this week, and you're going to ask me about it next week. Okay? I really recommend you do this at your cell group meetings. At the end, when the Bible study leader is trying to like, close the thing out, just say, no, can, we, can we just uh, hold each other accountable here? I really think God's telling me to do something. And the next week, you know what happens? Nothing, because I'm useless. <laughs> So the next week, I show up at uh, the cell meeting, and they ask me, okay, Mark, how did it go? Well, it didn't go very well because I got scared, and I didn't do it, and I had thousands of excuses. Um, You know, this went wrong, and this went wrong, and this went wrong. Try again the next week. Try Week three, I'm standing in front of him. Cell is starting in an hour, so I'm under pressure. Lord, he's standing right in front of me. I think you're working in this guy's heart. Um, Come on, Mark. You know, you've been in the desert. The the church is looking to you to lead the charge, show the way. You're trying to bring the cell group with you. 
That's going to happen to you, by the way, and it's okay. It happened to me, and God is going to help you. If your heart is open and willing, he's going to help you. You know what happened? A woman was standing over there while I've got a mouthful of teeth. This is embarrassing, but awesome. And she goes, I shouldn't name the guy because there's a lot of people in the room that know him. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to name him. You! You need to get your life right with God. you got to do that, 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 that. And you know what? Mark over here, you need to speak to him because he's a man of God. And then he says, I'll speak to Mark. <laughs> the only thing I've done right so far is I've said, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, I'm willing. I've got a willing heart. But after that, I was pretty useless. And God is still going, it's okay. I'll stir something here and I'll stir something there. And I'll, I'll move. And this woman, the same thing is happening. Jesus hasn't done too much. If He's spoken about water. It's a little bit confusing, let's be honest. And suddenly this woman takes the spiritual track. And she says, um, uh, she asks him a question about worship. And in verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jer Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, and this is how I, she's really giving you a clue into her heart, and, and people say things like this and we miss it. I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And it's at this moment that Jesus then goes, and he, this is the gospel. I who speak to you am he. And I want to say to you, a simple sentence when God's already stirring in someone's heart can be enough. We don't have to have our theology uh, all worked out. We don't have to be the most gifted speaker. You simply have your eyes open, your heart open. You're saying, God, use me and say a simple sentence and it's enough. Just then the disciples come back. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. They're amazed that he's talking to her. He shouldn't be talking to her. But down in verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. This is someone who was ashamed and embarrassed and didn't want to see anyone and wanted to be alone. She goes up to everyone. One encounter with Christ can do this to you. And she says, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Um, and... Um, she immediately starts telling people what God's done for her. That's why I said to you, you might be sitting in the room here this morning saying, Mark, uh, I haven't been to church in, in years. I really am nowhere. Um, I'm not ready to start telling people anything about God. And I'm saying to you, actually, you are. You are ready to go, God, have you done anything in my life? Yes, you've done this. Go tell someone. You will be amazed how God can use you. I once met someone, we ran a missional living course at, at the Ridge. And um, this guy came, he wasn't even saved. So he, he came to church on the Sunday. Um, his daughter got baptized, that's why he came. Um, and he spoke to me afterwards and he said, Mark, I haven't been to church in 10 years. The last time I was at church, I was so bored. 
I, I only stay if God speaks. If I feel like God's speaking to me, I'll stay. I, many years ago, I felt like God was speaking to me. I haven't heard anything since. So that morning, he said to me, I feel like God's speaking to me again. I, all I did was make an announcement about missional living. He comes. And when I saw him, I thought, how's this going to work? The guy's not saved yet, but he's coming to learn how to help people get saved. And then I decide, well, maybe he's confused. So let me go take him for a cup of coffee. So I take him for a cup of coffee, and I say, um, why are you at the missional living course? He says, no, I'm just interested in learning more. I know I'm not saved yet, but I'm just interested in learning more. And you know what the first thing was I shared at the first living, missional living course, something I've already tried to drop into your heart was, pray and ask God to show you someone. That was our first week, our challenge. Pray and ask God to show you someone. The unsaved guy did it. And then on the way back from the coffee shop, he points to the house. And he says, when I get saved in the future, I already know who the first guy is that God wants me to speak to. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel good? Right? And he ends up getting baptized in our church, getting saved. Now, I want to be honest, because, I mean, I can stop the story there, and the credits come up, and we all go, wow. Completely back backslidden now. Stopped coming to church. So, missional uh, living is going to be filled with disappointment. It's going to be filled with, yes, something's happening. And then that seed's going to sprout up like God says it will. There's four different soils. Sometimes you're going to plant on hard ground and it's just they're not even going to receive it. Sometimes they're going to receive it with joy and you're going to think, yes, we're there. And then three weeks later, they're gone and you're wondering if you're any good at this. And sometimes they'll stay a Christian, but they'll never become what they should become because the thorns... Uh, restricts everything, and that's also a bit frustrating. But every now and again, you're going to plant on good soil, and you know you've done very little. Like I said, one sentence, and this person is just not because of you, because God brings the growth, flourishing. But be ready for a bit of disappointment. But she goes immediately and just starts telling people what what God God had done. And then Jesus has an interesting conversation with the disciples. So the disciples say to him, um, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, verse 31, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, this is important, guys, for you, for your spiritual health. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is a missional living chapter, and if you aren't sure about it, Jesus makes it clear. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. We've got to stop navel-gazing. We've got to stop living in discouragement and disappointment. We've been through a rough time. Um, it's normal to, to have our heads bowed, actually, during a rough time. So there's no rebuke there. My head's been bowed as well. My, my gazel... Gazel, my navel is well gazed. Okay, I've inspected it, pulled fluff out. You know, that's all of that's happened. But lift up your heads. What is God doing? The harvest around you is plentiful, and God is able. He is mighty to save. You might be like me, pretty useless. I'm okay with that. Pretty, I don't know too much. You will be amazed what God can do through someone 
who is willing to be used even when they don't know much. I went door to door on the ship, hated it. My worst ministry, door to door. Knock on someone's door, you don't know me at all, can I come in? Think about that, okay? And then I've got to talk to you about God because it is extremely awkward, right? And I've got to leave and at least have prayed with you, done something spiritual. We can't just talk about the bulls, leave, and then I go back to the ship and say I did my job. No. And, and the one story we heard, this German guy and this Korean guy go, go door to door. And the German guy can speak some English and the Korean guy can speak no English and they're in an English-speaking area. So they are up against it, okay? And neither of them wants to do it. Well, actually, the Korean guy wants to do it. The German guy doesn't want to do it, but he has to lead. So the German guy's knocking on the doors, open, hello, we've got a tract. We, I'm not saying they did this well. We, we want to give you a tract. No, slam the door. Okay, let's move on. Next door, hello, got a tract. No, slams the door. Oh, German guy gets discouraged after about the fifth door, says to the Korean guy, no, man, these guys aren't interested. Let's go back. So the Korean guy literally has like five words of English, says, I try. And the German guy goes, <laughs> I mean, you can't even speak. And they have zero interest in us. So one of the doors, the furthest they got was that actually the guy took the track but wouldn't let them in. So the Korean guy knocks on the door, guy opens the door, and Korean guy goes, um, do you have tracked? And the guy goes, no. Goes, Neighbor, have tracked. <laughs> well, if my neighbor has it, then I better uh, have a look at this as well. And, and he reads the track through with the guy, and he simply just says in his one broken English sentence, God loves you, and the guy ends up receiving Christ. The German guy just standing there. You don't have to be fantastic at this if God is with you, and he is. If God is moving powerfully in people's hearts all the time, all around you, even when you don't see it, and he is. You don't have to deliver an amazing anything for God to use you to move powerfully. And when you do it, I can tell you, I know what it's like to live a spiritual, spiritually depressed life. I don't always live in obedience. And the less obedient I am to the Lord, even if I'm doing things like coming to church or going to sell, doing the basics, you end up, it's a, it doesn't happen fast. It happens slowly. You don't even realize you're depressed. But you're suddenly going, I'm not hearing the Lord and this isn't feeling how it used to feel and I'm not sure what's going on over here. And, but it's the times in my life when I can see what God is doing, when I'm being obedient and I'm being used, and I'm sitting in a coffee shop in the desert with Muslims, thinking I could get thrown in prison, but it's okay, and telling them what God has done for me, man, I end up, I'm like flying when I walk home. I like put my head on my pillow, I can't fall asleep. Last night, I'm a Liverpool fan, Liverpool win the Champions League, those of you that watch soccer, know that's a big deal. I fell asleep like a baby. But, I, and, and you can ask my wife, it's almost idolatry. So, so I'm a, a massive Liverpool fan. But it's not like telling someone what God has done for me. I go home, and I know I've been obedient, and it's food for my soul. That's what Jesus is saying here. My food is to do uh, the will of my Father in heaven. That's what gives me energy. That's what gives me joy. So the best thing for navel-gazing is actually to look up, and being spiritually depressed, look up, see someone else, and just go, you know, this is what God has done for me. Very soon, it's just going to be food in your soul. 
And when you do it, you're going to wonder, why don't I do this more often? Why don't I just speak more often about what God has done for me? And let's look at how the story ends. Um, so I tell you, lift up your eyes, see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. And this is a word for you, before you think, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. You don't. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. And this is what happens to this woman. It says, verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This is a woman who's lived terribly and has a terrible reputation in the city. All she does is go, come and meet someone who's told me all the stuff you already know about me. And none of it's really good. And this principle that Jesus is saying here, I've sent you to reap where others have sown. I'm telling you guys, the harvest around you, you don't realize it, you don't see it, you don't think it's like that, you think people aren't interested, you think you're going to get nowhere, but you will reap on what other people have sown. It's ready. And a simple testimony from this woman changed the town. From an unfaithful woman who'd lived a bad life, who was weak and had zero theology. I don't see her attending any uh, Bible studies before she went and told people what they'd done and the town gets saved. And so if you're saying, I feel weak, I feel inadequate, may you gain some encouragement from the Samaritan woman. Because she also does something missional. It's not just Jesus doing a, a missional act here. Because you might go, well, Jesus, he's the son of God. He does see what God is doing all the time. He does hear God all the time. He does get words of knowledge. I expect him to be good at that. She also goes and does something missional and tells people what he's done. And he uses it powerfully. And so what are um, some take-homes for you as I wrap this up? How do you do this? Point one. Ask God, where are you working? Know that he is working. He is working all around you. When my dad got saved, I came from an atheist home. My dad, when I first got saved, my parents were furious. And I once tried to read scripture to my dad, and then he took the Bible and he said, if you read this to me one more time, I'm going to, you know, there. And um, I, I never thought he was going to get saved. I remember praying, Lord, would you save my dad? And then I even started laughing. I said, Lord, I'm sorry for praying that. I mean, I know you can do anything, but I, I won't. And I stopped. I didn't believe it was going to happen. God can do anything. I didn't believe it. My faith wasn't strong. But if you ask my dad, why is he saved? He'll say, no, uh, I saw what God was doing in Mark's life. And that's what changed my mind. Um, I've seen God, say, this guy that I was telling you about earlier, um, he, if you know him, and there's people here who know him, he was one, a lovely guy, great heart. But if you listen to him speak for one moment, you would go, you are never going to get saved. Never, ever. Um, he came to, I invited him to church. He comes to church. The first thing he does when he comes to church, he walks in, goes up to the welcomers, welcomers, have you ever had this? Goes up to him and goes, you will never see me here again. And he walked, and he sits down. 
Okay. I invited him to uh, my cell group. We were running Alpha. And, and the challenge was invite someone who doesn't know Christ. I invite him to my cell group. He comes to my cell group. How do you know he doesn't know Christ? He, he's just left the Orange Grove pub. So he's usually like absolutely gone by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Cell group was, um, you know, 7 p.m. He comes in absolutely wasted. But somewhere in his heart, he gave his yes to me, and he wanted to, be, wanted to honor that. And do you know where he is today? He's in uh, Limpopo planting a church. He's, he's not preaching or anything like that. He's found someone who is the, the spokesperson, but he is using his skill set, which is more management-based and organizational and resourceful, and he's making a church grow. I mean, I've seen amazing things happen. Guys, as I'm looking out here, I'm seeing outs. I call them outs. That I did weekly, like W-E-A-K-L-Y, right? Someone sitting here is at church now. I remember going, I'm going to speak to you, I'm going to speak to you. And I just kept veering. And then she was making coffee over there. And then I, I came there to speak to her. And then I saw her making coffee. And then I went and fiddled by my pigeonhole. Didn't need anything in my pigeonhole. Just fiddled. Because I was scared. Too scared to speak to her. But eventually I did speak to her. She's sitting in church today. Anita didn't have any outs because she was pregnant. Sitting at home, stuck, feeling guilty. Oh, I used to do stuff when I was out on the mission field, and now I don't do anything. Uh, what must I do? And we prayed. We said, Lord, you've got to have something for Anita to do. And then Roger said to us, you know, there's a running group in uh, Sunny Ridge. <laughs> this is how desperate we are. So I take my pregnant wife, heavily pregnant, to the running group, and our prayer is, Lord, this is probably the dumbest idea we've ever had, but will you please provide someone for Anita to meet so that she can build a relationship with? Now, obviously, we start running, and everyone goes, except for one person, one person carrying an injury and hanging around at the back, walking at pregnant lady pace. I don't need any more signs from heaven because God is sovereign. And we started to build a relationship with her. And again, nothing seemed to come of it. They came to, she came to church once or twice, kind of fizzled out. And you know, as I sit here this morning, sitting in the church, didn't know that. Laughing right now. And her family's here. Now, I'm not saying that's because of Anita and me only. I'm sure God's doing thousands of things, and there's thousands of other people involved. But I want you to know, and I've got Nikki staring at me, so I'm going to uh, wrap this up. I want you to know God is working everywhere, even when you don't know it, even when you think you're outfailed. We thought, oh, no, we missed it. They're sitting in church later. He moves. In Matthew chapter 13, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all the seeds. And then it ends up a tree. Have you ever tried to watch a tree grow? Fascinating. Riveting. You don't know. It takes years and years and years. So we try these things. Nothing comes of it. And you go, oh, I'm useless. You're not useless. 
that mustard seed is there. It's going. And one day, you're going to see it all. That's how this kingdom grows. It doesn't grow with thousands of people getting saved at once. That can happen and does happen sometimes. Praise the Lord when that happens. It grows when you and I live faithfully where we are, thinking there's not much going on over here, but trusting God. You are alive. You are at work. And you can use even me. Weak little me. And so church, ask God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my workplace? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing uh, in my sports clubs, in my hobbies, and just in my water wells? Where are the water wells in my life that I already go to, that someone's going to come into who needs you, and I'm just going to be ready? And help me. Give me a moment like Mark had, where I really couldn't get the thing done, but you broke through because you were alive and you're active and you're working. You, can you imagine what, how awesome it would be to be part of a church where we regularly share those stories? How God used weak little us in a way and you come up here and you stand here. Man, that's, that's a pumping church. I think that's our trajectory. I think we're going to hit. That's where we're ending up. So God, what are you doing? Where are my water wells? Fill me with your spirit. That's why I said love up never stops. I go into Sterling Sterling Primary School in the morning as I'm walking. I'm singing a song and I'm saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do today. I don't know who's going to, I don't know where you're going to switch the lights on for me today. But will you fill me with your spirit? And someone shares that they um, have massive fear over an operation that's happening. Can Can I pray for you? And in that moment, it's not just I pray for you at home. I'll pray for you right now here. I know that seed. I can, can build on that, and there will be time to do that. Anita and I sometimes have people into our home, and we're not very good at it. We're not the best hosts. We don't have a lot of stuff. We don't have a nice... Uh, our, our house is like an echo chamber, you know, because it's, it's so empty. Um, and we've been accused of abuse because my son wails when he doesn't get his way, and it, like, rings out across the... The, the, the street. Um, but open your home up. Bring people in. And have a conversation. So one line. And say, this is what God has done for me. It might be enough. And so we're going to end now with communion. And I'm going to ask the uh, team to come up. You can already hand out um, as I'm finishing up here. This communion table, or we're not doing a table today. But this communion bread and juice is a symbol of sacrifice. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything he wouldn't do. So I just want you to hold, hold the bread and hold the juice. And I, and I want you to be meditative, but in a different way over this. I'm praying that you will, as you spend some time quietly before the Lord now, you will pray and surrender your heart to Him and thank Him. You know why you're allowed to be missional? You know why you're allowed to, um, why you have permission to go? It's not because you are sinless. It's not because you are good. It's not because you have multiple talents in this area. It's because 2,000 years ago on a cross, Jesus Christ died for your and my sins. And we are righteous because of his sacrifice. 
And now his command is, go, and I'm with you. Do you have permission, guys? We live in a PC culture where I don't want to offend people, and I'm not sure I'm allowed to. You have permission from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to tell people what God's done for you. And if it's a sacrifice, if it's hard, then we're staring at the example. Right? So I just want to spend a few minutes. Let's just pray quietly in our hearts. I'll tell you when that time's up, and then when that time is up, we can eat and drink together. But I want you to meditate on what's been spoken about and what is God saying to you. And I want you to surrender your heart. And I don't want you to say, God, will you show me someone? I want to be specific. I really think he's going to show each one of you someone, even right now. And then I want you to say in your heart, I wish I could make you say it to someone else. I can't. I'm going to ask you to. But I want you to say in your heart to God, I will. And you finish it. I will invite that person. For a bride. I will tell that person what God has done for me. I will. And when God has given you the I will, I want you to say it to him. And then I want you to go and tell someone else, do it this morning, before the day gets away from you, for accountability. Go up to someone, if, if your cell group leader's here or someone in your cell group's here, it might be your spouse might be a friend, might be a deacon or whoever, I want you to go up, I want you to go up to them and say, this is what God told me to do. I will. And you finish it. We're going to give you a minute to pray that through. Lord Jesus, I really just sent your spirit this morning. Lord, I know you love this church. You love these people. You are building your church, Lord. We don't build it. You build it. We work in vain if we work on our own. But when you're building, Lord, it's not in vain. You said that the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church. We are meant to advance. And Satan cannot stop us. You also said you give us the keys to the kingdom. Our prayers are powerful. The prayers we're praying right now for someone, the statements we're saying, it's powerful what we 
bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You give us the keys to the kingdom. Prayer, your spirit, testimonies. All of these, Lord, you are able to use powerfully for your kingdom. Lord, forgive us when we limit you because we're so focused on ourselves and our own weaknesses. You are great. You are mighty to save. You can save anyone. You can do anything. And you choose to use us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the purpose you give us. Thank you um, for this chance, Lord, to take part in your your harvest. I want to pray for each person, Lord. If a name didn't drop into their hearts in this moment, I pray, Lord, that you would very clearly show them someone that you want them to speak to. And I pray, just as you said in your word, that uh, the Holy Spirit will come and give us the words that we need to say when we stand before kings and princes, Lord. I pray that um, you would give us the words when we are fearful over what we must say. I pray, Lord, that as people are obedient and do what you ask them to do, I pray for testimonies of what you are doing. Would you give us glimpses, Lord, and show us, Lord, what you are doing. May many people in this city who are not going to church, who don't know you, but we are friends with and we know them, may many of them come to you, Lord. Save them. Grow your church. Build your church. Use us. Lift up our heads so that we will see you and we will see the harvest. And thank you for the sacrifice, Lord, as we meditate on it, your blood, your body. This is why we can go. Because you have already dealt with all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our inadequacies. And you have given us permission to go. And you are with us. And you will help us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together.